Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, Brazos Fellowship. Are we doing well this morning? Yeah. Okay, good. You know, they tell you as a communicator, don't ever ask an open-ended question because you don't know how people are going to respond. But I just can't get over it. I just like doing it. I just want to know, are we like here together today? And we are. Thank you so much for being with us, and I hope your day is off to a great start. If we haven't met, my name is Chris, and I am the college pastor here at Brazos Fellowship. And I was thinking about it this week. Man, next month marks 10 years on staff here at the church, and man, it has been an amazing decade, and it feels weird to say that out loud, a decade on staff at this church, but man, I have loved it so, so much, and my family has been a part of the church even longer than that, so we love Brazos Fellowship. Pastor Will, our lead pastor, is going to be back next Sunday continuing our series, What If Jesus Was Serious? We have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and it has been so good and challenging. So I hope you will make plans to come back next Sunday and join us for that. I do want to talk to the college students that are with us today. Maybe you're tuning in online or you're here in person. And if you are college aged, I want to invite you to come back tonight as we kick off our college services. 242 is our college ministry. We meet Sundays at 6 p.m. and we'll be right here in this room tonight at 6 o'clock. So consider this your personal invitation. And I think that if you come tonight, you're going to meet a group of students that really want to connect with you and potentially you will walk away saying this place feels like home, and so I hope you will come back tonight and join us. As we get started this morning, I just, I need to be honest with you, and uh, I am a proud girl dad, okay? I have two daughters, Campbell is four, Landry is six, and I love everything about being a girl dad except for one thing, fixing their hair. (laughs) Now you would think Like six years in, I should have this figured out, and I can like do the simple ponytail, kind of. It stays up for like half the day. But I'm like, what what am I supposed to do with all of this hair and this product and bows and like clips and bobby pins? Like what? I don't have that problem, right, with my hair. I don't have to worry about all that stuff. And so when it comes to their hair, man, it just like stresses me out. And recently, my wife went on a cruise with her mom and sisters. And as the conversation around the cruise kicked up, I I knew that it was going to be stressful around our house. I mean, it's not the first time that she's been away, but my wife, Leisha, does so much to like hold things together for our family and keep us all in line. And so I knew that it was going to be stressful, but I was like, I got this. I just need to come up with a plan, have a strategy. We're going to be okay. And I was doing that. I got some extra help from some college students. Like, we got this. We're going to be okay. And then about two weeks before my wife left, I get an email from our daughter's school, and it just ruins my plans. I'm reading this email, and it's important dates that I need to know for the school year. And wouldn't you know right there, while my wife is gone, picture day. best laid plans, right? So immediately I have to adjust, and I'm like, I need to come up with a new strategy because my old strategy is not going to work to accomplish the task. And so I start thinking through what my options are. I'm like, okay, I could shave their heads. My wife is like, I will stay home from the cruise if you do that. Maybe that's not a bad idea. 
then I was like, okay, I'll just send him to school in a hat, but that's against the dress code, so what am I going to do? And as the day got closer, I still felt like I did not have control of the situation. Stress is rising, and then the day before picture day, the perfect thing happened. My six-year-old, Landry, she comes home from school, and she's sick. She can't go to school tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know why y'all are laughing. It was perfect. And my four-year-old's teacher is sitting right over there, and I just ratted myself out on why I kept him home from school. But if, seriously, she came home from school sick and couldn't go to school, and I felt like, okay, I can do this again. Now, maybe you have been through one of those situations, probably not exactly like that, but we all have these moments where we have a plan, we feel like things are under control, and then something happens, and it knocks us off course. And so this morning, I want to talk about stress. Show of hands, has anyone ever felt stress in some area of your life? I feel like I just bared my soul. Thank you for your honesty. If you're at home watching online, man, you can go ahead and raise your hand in your living room. I, I feel like we all experience this from time to time, and the situation varies, and the story is different for each one of us, but we all have these moments where we feel like we have things under control. Something happens that knocks us off course, and our natural response is very often to begin to stress out about it. So I just want to take a few minutes of our time together this morning and challenge us, myself included, rather than us just being okay with that, or rather than us pretending like we have everything under control, what if we lean in? What if we begin to engage with and address our stress? Because here's what happens when you don't address your stress. Stress doesn't care. I don't know if you knew that or not, but stress does not care whether you pay attention to it or not. It is going to pitch a tent and just make itself at home right there in the middle of your life. And pretty soon, you're going to look up and you're going to forget what it looks like or even find it hard to imagine what life could look like without stress at the center of your life and at the center of your story. But as we're going to see this morning as we jump into a few verses Stress actually is not our default setting. As much as we convince ourselves that it is, that we have no other options, stress is optional. And so I want to look at a story today in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. This is with Jesus and his disciples. It starts out, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, as we jump into the story this morning, Jesus and his disciples get in a boat, and they're headed out across the Sea of Galilee. This is what you need to know about the Sea of Galilee. It's about 700 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by hills on every side, and these types of storms are actually not that uncommon. They pop up frequently and suddenly. It just takes the right mixture of temperature, wind, pressure, and all of a sudden you have one of these raging storms on the Sea of Galilee. And so as Jesus and the disciples get in the boat, they have a plan. They're going to set out across the sea to get to the other side, and everything is going smoothly, and then... They get hit with a storm that knocks them off course. And for the disciples, very much like for us, their immediate response is to freak out. 
they find themselves in what they would describe as a I think I'm gonna die storm. I've been in that storm before. Something happens, all of a sudden I feel overwhelmed and I'm convinced this is it, this is where my story ends. Here's, here's why I think that this is a bit ironic. Specifically for this group of people, these guys, these disciples, these followers of Jesus have been with Jesus now for quite some time. They've seen him perform numerous miracles, and Jesus is in the boat with them. You would think there would be some level of comfort surrounding that. And beyond that, for several of these guys, before they started following Jesus, what was their occupation? They were fishermen. Like, these are professional fishermen. The Sea of Galilee is their office. Like, these are boat guys. They have grown up on the water. And if these storms are somewhat common, then I would guess they probably have been in one of these storms before. And yet, in the moment, the waves are crashing over the side of the boat. The boat is filling with water, and their soul is filling with stress. And they immediately go to Jesus, and they're like, do you not care that we're going to drown. Why were they freaking out so much? Because they felt like they were out of control. In the moment, they started in control, headed out across the Sea of Galilee, and then instantly something happened, and they felt like they were out of control. And, and the first thing we need to understand, if we're going to begin to address our stress, is that here's the normal response for us. As control decreases, stress increases. As control decreases, so often our natural response, our normal response is to allow for stress to increase. Think about when you feel stressed, when you have more on your to-do list than you have time to do it, right? You feel stressed because you can't control the clock. You can't add more hours to the day. Maybe for you it's, it's relational. Maybe you are in a situation where someone in your life is not behaving how you would like them to. They're not responding the way you want them to and you feel like you have no control over the situation and it stresses you out. Or maybe you're single and you don't want to be. I get it. It can feel stressful. We cannot control when we're going to meet the person we want to spend the rest of our life with. I don't know what brings you stress. Maybe it's your, your finances, your bank account, Maybe your paycheck is not growing as quickly as you would like it to. And we're in this season of, of inflation and we hear it all over the news and we see it every time we go to the gas station. And even though the prices of gas are going down a little bit, we're still feeling the weight of what we've been walking through. And you look at your mortgage or your rent or your school loans or your debt, whatever it is, and it stresses you out because you can't control how much money your boss is going to pay you every month. I mean, it'd be nice if we could, right? but we can't control how much we're gonna get paid every month. As control decreases so often, we allow stress to increase, and here's why this is important to understand. Because we need to be able to look around in our life and, and figure out what areas do I feel like I am losing control, because that's often where the majority of our stress is coming from. If we want to address our stress, we need to know where it's coming from, but here's the other thing, you're gonna love this. Here's the other thing that we need to understand. God will intentionally lead us into situations that we can't control. It got really quiet in here. But it's true. Think about it. God consistently and intentionally leads people into situations they can't control. Jesus invited the disciples into the boat. He led them into a situation that they soon were going to have no control over. We see this all throughout the Bible. 
In the Old Testament, there's this guy named Moses. God goes to Moses and says, hey, I want you to go to Pharaoh. He's the leader of Egypt, and he has the Israelites in captivity, in slavery. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And so Moses obeys God. He goes on a journey that God led him into, and he goes to Pharaoh, says, hey, let the Israelites go, and takes a lot of convincing, but eventually Pharaoh says, okay, And two million Israelites leave slavery in Egypt to go on the largest road trip in human history, only to find out that the road they took out of Egypt is a dead end. And the Red Sea is in front of them, and the angry Egyptians are behind them, chasing them because they've changed their mind. God led them into a situation that they couldn't control. Daniel ends up in a lion's den because of his obedience and allegiance to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up in a fiery furnace for the exact same reason. God will consistently lead us and intentionally lead us into situations that we can't control. And I don't know about you, but this bothers me sometimes because I'm a control freak. Any other self-identified control freaks in the room. Not as many, oh wow, a lot of hands went up. I was not expecting as many hands to go up, but yeah, we are, we're control freaks. We all have it to some degree. Some of us are willing to admit it, others are not. If you heard a really loud amen, it was my wife. (laughs) Me admitting I am a control freak, right? We all have some level of control freak in our life. We want things under control. We want our finances under control. We want our friend group under control. We want our sports teams under control. We want the number on the scale or the reflection in the mirror under control. We want to have control of what's going on in our life. But here is what happens. Maybe you've felt this before. When you are constantly fighting for control in your life, it's kind of like walking around all the time with a giant load of laundry. Think about it. You have more on your to-do list than you have time to do it, and so it's laundry day, and you overfill the washer because you're trying to, like, speed this thing up, right? I got to get back on track. And you overfill the washer. Those clothes eventually make their way into the dryer, The buzzer goes off to tell you it is time for you to fold the clothes, and so you hit refresh. (laughs) And eventually you go back in there, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And you go to the dryer, you open the door, and the clothes start falling out. Now, this should be your first indicator. The things are about to go really poorly for you. But this is our moment to shine, and we resolve within ourselves: I can do this. I am going to make this trip in one trip. It could be groceries from the back of your car or laundry from your dryer. For some reason, we have convinced ourselves, this is my moment to shine. I can do this. And don't pretend like you haven't done this before. So you get in there, and you're like, okay, this is it. And you start feeling around, and you just gotta, you gotta close your eyes. You just have to feel it, right? You're like getting all the laundry out of there, and you feel like you have it all under your grasp. And you start to take a walk, right? And then for some reason, you're compelled to just turn around and look, great, I dropped something. And so this is the moment. This is when you get to make a decision. Am I going to go to the couch and put the rest of the laundry on the couch and then come back and get that laundry? Or this is what I do. I'm like, I got this. Just like with my daughter's hair, I've got this. And so we put this train in reverse and we're like, okay, I'm going to shift all the weight into one arm as if two arms was working so well for me. And I'm going to bend over and pick it up. And then I realize that I dropped something else. We do this all the time. We do it with our laundry. We do it with our clothes. And we start tripping on socks. 
As soon as we feel like we have everything under control and we're constantly trying to juggle it, then something else drops. Our finances take a hit. And then we get our finances back under control and then some relationship takes a hit. And then we get that back under control and then it's something else and then there's socks all over the stage and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? It does not matter how hard you try. You can never have everything under control. You may have the illusion of control. You may feel like you have everything in your grasp, but just like Pastor Sam was talking about last week, you're either coming out of a storm, in a storm, or a storm is right around the corner. It's just the way it works. And we hold so tightly and we get so focused on trying to have everything under control because we're control freaks. And what we need to do is begin to recognize that that's not what we were created to do in the first place. What we were created to do is to trust the one who does have it under control. Let's continue our story. Mark chapter 4, verse 39 And he, this is Jesus, awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? When I read stories like this, I try to imagine what would it have been like to be there in that moment. Like if you were in the boat with Jesus and the disciples. And so I imagine that Jesus is is taking a nap. He's like taking one of those Sunday afternoon holy naps. You know what I'm talking about? Like there is no nap better than a Sunday afternoon nap. You are laying in the recliner, golf is on TV, and by some miracle, your children are quiet. And you are just knocked out. Jesus is chilling. It says he has his head on a cushion, like no care in the world whatsoever. And then this storm hits, and the disciples freak out. They're like, I am in the middle of an I'm going to die storm. And Jesus is still sleeping. And so I imagine they go over as the boat begins to fill with water. And they're like, how is he still sleeping in the midst of this? And they probably shake him. The text tells us that they shout at him, teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? And I imagine Jesus wakes up, rubs his eyes a little bit, assesses the situation. And you notice it doesn't say that he reassures them, hey, it's going to be okay. I got this. He doesn't remind them, hey, do you know who I am? Have you not seen what I can do? No, it says he rebukes the wind and the waves. He speaks into the situation, and this is what he says. He says, peace, be still. In the original text, this phrase, peace, be still, actually means be muzzled. It's as if Jesus is saying, shut up. Yes, I just put words in the mouth of Jesus. But it's as if Jesus is saying, hey, just stop for a second. Just be still. I have felt this emotion a lot, especially recently. My family has a a mini golden doodle, and her name is Poppy. And uh, you see a picture of her, and you're like, aw, she's so sweet and cute and cuddly. And she is, for everyone but me. 
every single time I walk into the room, this dog loses her pea brain mind and just growls or barks uncontrollably. It happened this morning. Like, she had already seen me five times, and as I'm getting ready, I'm going in and out of our room, and every time I walk back in the room, she just starts growling at me, like from across the room. I can be nice to her. I can be mean to her. I can do whatever I want, and it does not change her behavior, and I I feel this emotion that Jesus felt in this moment, and I'm just like, Poppy, be muzzled. Shut up. The difference is it works for Jesus, and it does not work for me. If you were wondering, she does not stop, but In this moment, Jesus speaks into the storm. It says, peace, be still. I think it's really, really, really important for us to note something right here that we so often forget. The disciples did not get to bypass the storm because they were with Jesus. Psalm 23 tells us, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. We still have to go through it sometimes. They still experience the storm, even though Jesus was right there in the boat with them. We don't get to bypass these things, but it's not going to take us out. We sang our last song this morning, Deliverer, and it says, hey, even in the midst of addiction, you'll see me through. Even with my anxiety, you'll see me through. Even with my brokenness, my depression, my worry, my stress, the weight of life, with everything that I feel like is out of my control, you will see me through. Why was Jesus able to sleep during the storm? The story introduces the storm, and then it tells us that Jesus is sleeping. So we know he was actually sleeping in the midst of the storm because he wasn't threatened by the storm, because he was in control. And that should give you and I great hope today. That we don't have to have control of what's going on in our life. We don't have to have control and a grasp on every single moment and every single situation because God already does. And he's the one that is going to see us through. And if he can do it for the sea, then he can do it for our soul. Which means that you and I need to begin to fix our attention on the one who's already in control. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I struggle with this sometimes. Even if I know that it's true, when I find myself in the moment, it's so hard to remember that I need to fix my eyes, my attention, my focus, my energy on Jesus because I want to fix my eyes, my attention, my energy on whatever it is that's going on, whatever the storm is, whatever I feel like I'm losing control over. As I stand up here on the stage, I have a different perspective than you do. I can see things differently than you can. Sometimes we need to shift our perspective. For you, you might only be able to see the back of the head of the person in front of you. And we so often focus on what's right in front of us. I remember a season 15, 18 years ago, I was going through one of these, what I felt like was an I'm going to die storm. I felt like everything in my life was out of control. Relationships, family, school, everything. And I was standing in a parking lot by myself at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was letting God know, God, don't you care that I'm going to drown? I was giving him an earful, and I remember standing there, and the parking lot lights turned off. 
It was around two o'clock and all of a sudden the lights go off and I look up and I can see all of these stars that I hadn't been able to see before because the parking lot lights were on. And then I also noticed that it was a, a full moon or close to full moon. And I don't even remember why I did this, but as I'm standing there in this moment, looking up at the moon, I just held up my thumb and I blocked out the moon. And it's crazy because I was a journalism major, okay? So I'm no astronomer. I'm not exactly sure how big the moon is, but I'm pretty sure that's bigger than my thumb. The moon's pretty important. It controls the tide. It gives us light at night. Like, the moon is a pretty big deal. My thumb is, I mean, maybe my thumb is big. I don't know, but it's not that big of a deal. But in that moment, I was able to hold it up in front of my face and block out something that was way bigger, way more powerful, way stronger, way more important than what I was holding up in the moment. The moon wasn't going anywhere. It didn't disappear just because I held up my thumb. It didn't shrink because I held up my thumb. We do this all the time, right? We hold up our problem, our stress, our anxiety, whatever it is that we feel like we're losing control over, we hold it up right in front of our face and it blocks our perspective. But this verse says, hey, fix your eyes on who? On Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on your struggle. Don't fix your eyes on your weakness. Don't fix your eyes on your brokenness. Don't fix your eyes on your addiction. Fix your eyes on on Jesus. We need to shift our perspective, and if we want to begin to have this shift happen when it comes to our stress, we need a different perspective. How can we exchange stress for peace? And as we begin to wrap up this morning, I want to look at a couple of verses. Paul gives us this prescription for peace in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6. It starts this way. It says, don't worry about anything. Now, I don't know what it looks like in your Bible, but in my Bible, there isn't an asterisk after the word anything. There's no footnote with some exceptions. It's not like, hey, don't worry about anything, asterisk, footnote, except when things are out of control. Don't worry about anything, asterisk, footnote, except when your relationships seem to be falling apart. Don't worry about anything, asterisk, footnote, except when that neighbor moves in that has that really annoying dog that barks all the time that you just want to say be muzzled. Like, it doesn't say that. It just says don't worry about anything. There's no exceptions to that. And it might be like, how can Paul say that? The good news is he doesn't just say that and walk away. He begins to give us this prescription. He says it starts with don't worry about anything, and it continues instead, pray about everything. We begin to see this exchange that happens in this moment. He's like, instead of worrying about what's stressing you out, instead of worrying about the brokenness, worrying about the struggle, worrying about the storm, what if you took that to God instead? When was the last time that you took your storm and made God aware of it? The disciples did it. They woke up Jesus. They were like, hey, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? Like, what if we stopped worrying about it and we started praying about it? And I get it. Prayer can be so intimidating. What am I supposed to say? Is God even listening? Is he going to respond to my prayer? Am I going to like his response to my prayer? Like prayer can be really, really intimidating and we feel like we don't know what to do in that moment, but Paul continues. He says, hey, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. I am good at this part. I'm good about bringing God to my perspective, letting him know what's going on in my life. 
inviting him into my storm and just being like, hey, do you see what's happening? Like, do you not care that I'm going to drown? Like, I'm great at that part of it. But there's this, this word, after he says, tell God what you need, he says, and. Now, I told you already, I was a journalism major. I love words. And we see this word, and, and we're like, it's three letters, big deal, whatever. It's just a connector word. But it's really, really important because it connects two ideas together, and it gives them equal importance. It, it like, links them together. So it's not any one particular single thought. It's two things joined together, and it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. There are two parts to this equation. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Now, when I see this often, I feel like Paul got this out of order, because here's what we're used to and what we're comfortable with. We stress out about something. We tell God what we need God comes through on our behalf, and then we thank him, right? Like, we're good with that equation, but Paul says, no, no, no. You're stressing out about something. You feel like something is out of your control. You invite God into the middle of it. You tell him what you need. You thank him in the midst of the storm, and then you wait and see what's going to happen. And here's why this matters. Here's why perspective is so important, because when we can remember what God has done, when we can remember who God is, it reminds us that he is capable. When we can remember what he has done in the past, it reminds us that he is capable with our present. And so Paul says, hey, in the midst of whatever you're going through, thank God, he's gonna see you through. And he continues on and he says, then. There's another one of those words. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will, not it might, it will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine that kind of peace? The peace be still kind of peace, where the seas are calm and the wind starts, stops raging? Where your mind is not constantly going, where you can lay your head on your pillow at night and just go to sleep? Where you're not trying to hold on to everything, you're not trying to fix everything, you're not trying to control everything, but you are just at peace? Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Not try harder, work more, have more control, be still and know that I am God. Because here is the thing, this is where we're landing the plane. When control decreases, stress increases, God intentionally leads us into situations that we can't control. And when life is out of control, you have two options, fear or faith. Stress is fear of the unknown. Stress is fear that things aren't going to work out the way that we want them, to, want them to. Stress is fear that we don't have control. And Jesus even says this to his disciples. We read it in verse 40. He says, why? Like, why are you, go to the next verse. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? In that moment, it's as if Jesus is saying, you had another option. You had another choice, and you chose fear. And you can experience peace today. Jesus is in the boat with you because here's the reality. We are in a storm that will cost us everything, and it is the storm of sin. And if you want to be reminded of who Jesus is, you don't have to look any further than the cross. 
Because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And Romans tells us that the wages of sin, the cost, the penalty, the debt for sin is death. Jesus came on your behalf and on my behalf because of his love for us. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross and he paid the penalty of death for you and for me so that we could experience peace. He conquered the storm once and for all. He said, peace, be still. And maybe this morning you just need to be reminded you have another option. Stress is not inevitable. Stress is not our default setting. We can choose peace. Or maybe this morning you needed to know that there is someone who is already in control. And no matter how hard you strive, no matter how much you work to try and maintain control, you will never be able to do it. But God already has. And you can have peace in that today. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that no matter what is going on around us or how much the waves are crashing over the boat, God, you are going to see us through because you are our deliverer. You are for us. You love us. You're with us, and you promise peace in the midst of chaos. You promise that your rod and staff will protect and comfort us. So it does not matter what situation we find ourselves in. You are with us. God, if we put our faith, our trust, our hope in you, if we step into relationship with you, God, you say you will never leave us and never forsake us. And if you're here this morning and you're like, Chris, like I know that Jesus is in the boat, but I keep forgetting. And I am in the midst of a storm and I've been trying to hold on and I've been trying to regain control and I've been trying to fix it and it just feels like it is slipping through my grasp. If that's you this morning, man, I just want to invite you, raise your hand so that I can pray for you. And there's hands going up all over the room because we feel this. We feel this tension, this weight of trying to control it on our own. God, I pray for every single person, myself included, God, as we have our hands raised, God, may we be reminded that you have always been faithful. You have always seen us through and you're not going to change now. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, we can have confidence in you being in control, in knowing you're not threatened by the storm. God, we can have confidence in who you are. God, help us have peace today. Not that everything is fixed, but that you are with us. You can put your hands down. If you're here today and you're like, Chris, I also have experienced storms. I've tried to maintain control. I've tried to make things work but I have never invited Jesus into my boat. I've never recognized that ultimately he's the one that has the control in the first place, that he's the one that pays the penalty for my inefficiency and inadequacy to do things on my own. And if that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus today, say yes to putting your trust and your hope in the one who is ultimately in control. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. There's nothing magical about these words, but there's this moment, this posture in our heart where we surrender and just say this, God, I need you. God, I need you. 
because I can't control it any longer. Stuff is dropping all around me. I feel like life is, is slipping through my fingers. I'm in the middle of an I'm going to die storm and I need your peace. I need your hope. And so God, today I choose to put my trust in you, the one who is in control. I choose to accept your payment, your grace for my sin. God, I choose you. If you just prayed that prayer, made that decision in your heart for the first time, people have their eyes closed, they're not looking around, but I wanna know, I wanna pray for you today. If you would just slip your hand up and let me know, hey, I made this decision today. Thank you up here in the front. Thank you so much, both of you right here. Anybody else saying, today I am putting my trust and my faith in Jesus. Thank you, sir, right here. If you're online, go ahead and indicate that. There are people that want to pray with you. Say, hey, Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you today. God, thank you that we don't have to have control. Thank you that we don't have to have it figured out because you already do. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for who you are and your love for us. It is in your awesome, incredible name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you back next week as Pastor Will is back continuing our series, What If Jesus Was Serious? Y'all have a great week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.